not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC, and you're listening to... Fanholes, Mobile Suit Mondays, and I am also joined tonight by one of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Say what's up. Hey, it's Mike. Uh, nothing's up, I guess? Awesome, awesome. So we are doing Build Fighters, episode 20, which is titled Isla's Betrayal. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> foreshadowing the end of the episode. Teen teenage angst is up. Dramas! Dramas is serious business, too. So we, we open up with Alan Adams, and he's calling the PPSE in the middle of the night, and he's basically saying, dude, you guys gotta send out the A5 unit. And they're like, what? We're not finished working on it! And they're like, no, you gotta send this, because I'm gonna complete the upgrades myself! And they kind of bill it as the strongest gunpla ever built. So and it looks like it's being like shipped by the Ptolemaeus from Double O. And then is that that's a is that a suit from Double O too? Yeah, it's a it's a variant of the Exia. Okay, okay. So then that's Just, and that's. Yeah. I guess, I guess that is that is that is yeah. that preferential treatment now that I know from from last week's episode that you told me that the creator of Double O is also a showrunner on this. He's yeah, the strongest Gunpla ever built. Is, yeah, is I, I, yeah, I, I would imagine so. Where where is the Sid Mead? Where is the Moonlight Butterfly? I call <laughs> shenanigans. It's not canon. Well, it's, it's funny because they at this point in the show because like I guess the broadcast rights hadn't expired yet. They couldn't use any mobile suits from beyond, like, Season 1 of Double O. So, like, they couldn't use any mobile suits from Double O Season 2 or Age or, like, like anything beyond that. So, oh, okay. You'd think, okay. yeah, like, they would maybe, like, say, like, something more powerful from Double O would have been, like, the most, you know, they would use that. But I guess they couldn't at this yeah, point. Yeah, I guess they can't. I, I love that scene at the beginning, just because, like, you know, everyone's, like, so worked up over it. They're like, you fool! You'll kill us all if you, like, uh, unleash the A5, like, or whatever. 
You're like, it's a toy. Exactly. They're like, they're like, you damn fools! What have you done? Like, what have you done? <laughs> it's like, dude. Yeah, you're right. Like one guy's like, dude, it's a toy. Like, chill out. <laughs> chill out, dude. Chillax. So we we also cut to an airport in the middle of the night where Isla and and her handler, I guess they call him the doctor. It's funny, I was looking up what his name was, and his name is like Nine something or other. And then when I was trying to look up images, I just typed in Dr. Nine, and of course, Christopher Eccleston showed up, you know, from Doctor <laughs> Who, instead of like the actual Gundam. I just wanted to confirm, like, oh, this is the right guy's name and everything. But it's funny, so I guess Doctor Who is actually Isla's... Isla's handler or whatever, but they, they meet the Finnish chairman at the airfield and we see that he's got a little grandson named Lucas and there's this weird kind of I don't know if it's like it's not really nepotism it's it's just this odd vibe where you basically discover the only reason why the the Finnish chairman is involved and is is the sponsor of Isla's Cubile at all is because his little grandson likes gunplay tournaments, and he's going to present him the trophy once someone else wins it for him. So the, there's this weird kind of, like, you know, Ricky Schroeder Silver Spoon thing going on that feels kind of funny to me. I don't know what did you did you have any vibes from that yourself or? Yeah, I was kind of like like what really that's it like you know. Maybe I thought there was maybe some kind of nefarious purpose behind it, but it was well. But I don't know. Given what eventually happens in this episode, like I I know we're joking about how you know the the suits are just toys and everything like that. But given what they do to Isla, just to please a little boy and get him a trophy, like that seems a little fucked up. You know? Yeah, it is. It's like I mean, if you could, if you could basically like, not only is it a tournament of toys, right? where she could get killed over a tournament of toys, but the the only the only real goal they have is to please uh, a little kid. Like, it, it seems like fucked up. Like, what a waste of life if <laughs> if it leads that way. Do you know what I mean? Can you imagine, yeah. like, somebody almost getting killed, and you're like, well, yeah, it was for because I had to give the little kid a teddy bear, so I just I, <laughs> I shot this chick up full of heroin so I could get the teddy bear. And you're just like, really? Like, that? okay. I'm like, wow, this is this is fucked up. A serious business. I guess, I guess. So, so meanwhile, Chairman Mashida, not to be confused with the Finnish guy, is freaking out that Sai and Reiji are now in the best four, and Miss Baker, of course, is cowering under her desk while Chairman Mashida is yelling out for her, like Miss Baker Chan, Baker Chan, you know, and it's like, what, what, what happened? And then, of course, we cut to what we alluded to last week. Niels Nielsen is in Sai and Reiji's little hostel room, and he's basically trying to teach Reiji meditation. I guess in the hopes of uncovering the secret of Plavsky particles. But obviously, Reiji is immune to such nuances as meditation. Because it's not really working. He's got like a little <laughs> air bubble coming out of he his mouth. Asleep, yeah, man. he's like, what? Meta, meta what? Uh, yeah, I'm not into that. Like, so. And Sai basically makes the suggestion like his dad used to work on the Plosky particles, and maybe his dad would be able to help. But then Niels makes some more deductive reasoning that maybe isn't as Batman esque, where he's like, 
well, if you were three years old when your dad was working on Plosky particles, perhaps you retain a subconscious memory of the Plosky particle secret. So I must hypnotize you now. And so while they're discussing this, then Tony's boy Mao enters where he's still crying rivers about Masaki-chan. I guess he's still not over it. And he's, he's crying up a storm. And there's all this ruckus going on in the hostel room. So Ricardo Fellini, I guess, is annoyed with all the noise. And he decides he's going to head out and, and get away from all the noise and everything. And he runs into Mr. Rawl who gives us, like, the gym shooter down low on Isla in case we've been in a box and we don't know who she is and that she operates the cube and she's a super badass who beat the American champion and all that kind of stuff. There is a mention from Ricardo Fellini about Mr. Rawl and how he is happy to be wished good luck by the quote-unquote blue giant. And so I guess that was his... The, the name he went by when he was a awesome gunpla battler and stuff. And I was just thinking, like, prequel series, you know, like Gundam Build Fighter, the prequel with Blue Giant or whatever. We could just have a <laughs> bunch of Mr. Rawl episodes where he hounds after big boob gunpla ladies and beats up people in his, his blue Zaku or whatever, his goof. <laughs> I, like, I wonder, like, I, well... I think they said this is only, what, like, the seventh, like, Gumpla tournament? Yeah. Or, like, so, like, I mean, I guess, you know, at the very most, I'd say, like, maybe it's only been around for, like, seven or eight years, it seems like. Or, well, like, but if he's, if he's, it, well, because they said that, what, like, Size Dad was the winner of the third tournament, right? Yeah. And so maybe he was, like, in the first or second tournament, and he would have been, like, 22 or 23, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Assuming he is 35 years old. As he yeah, 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 yeah. Or 30, whatever. Like, yeah. maybe he's in a, he was in his late 20s, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just the way, like, they address him. It's like he's, like, cop or something. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's, like, friggin' ancient. Well, I think, I, think, I think that's the joke, so. Yeah. But, basically, Mr. Rawl is saluting Fellini as he drives off in his Vespa or whatever. And Isla's busy reviewing footage of the Wing Fenice, and she's kind of coming to the realization, like, if I win this fight, my next opponent is going to be... And then they cut to Reiji, and it's like Reiji, Mao, and Niels Nielsen are all watching Sai in this trance. And it's kind of funny, because this is where... Basically, like, if you, if you have no pre-existing knowledge of Mobile Suit Gundam, you, you might be like, oh my god, like, Sai's dad is a son of a bitch who beats <laughs> his kid, you know? Because if you don't know anything, if you have no context, you, you, you might be horrified or whatever. But see, the funny part is that apparently Bright Slaps are hypnotic as well, because he's basically reliving. It, it's like they're, Niels Nielsen's trying to uncover his his, like, suppressed memories of his youth. But I guess it'd be like, to, to make it in plain terms, it'd be like if you hypnotized me and all I did was, like, quote Luke Skywalker lines for the next, like, five hours. Like, that's basically what's going on here, except for he's just quoting, like, 
every single line that Amuro Ray has ever uttered in the original Mobile Suit Gundam. And they're kind of like, dude is a true blue fan. Like, he knows all the fucking lines and stuff. I was wondering what it is you're fighting for, Mr. Bright. <sighs> this is not the time to get philosophical on me, Amuro. Stand up this instant. <clears throat> hey, why don't you leave me alone? If you're so eager to send Gundam into battle again, why not pilot it yourself? What? <clears throat> I'd do it if I could. I don't need a kid to tell me how I should do my job. Yeah, well, I don't see why I have to do something just because I can. <laughs> I think they note it, like, on the wiki or something, but, like, even, like, Sai's face is, like, drawn in, like, that classic style when he's doing those lines. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they went to great lengths to to replicate the expressions and, and everything like that. But yeah, all, all I was thinking of was like, I'm all bright slaps are, are hypnotic as well. It's like, it's like an air bright slap. It's not like a real black <laughs> bright slap. So I thought that was pretty cool. Meanwhile, we've got Gunpla Idol Kirara, and she is interviewing China or Kosaka about Sai and Reiji's rise to becoming part of the best four. And it looks like Rinko Lori is a little embarrassed because she's talking about how Sai likes to scribble out designs for his gunpla while he's he's in class and stuff like that. And meanwhile, in the background, Ricardo Fellini is riding off on his Vespa. And then he, he does, I guess, one of the lines of the show. So you want to tell us what that is? Looks like I win the back end of Axis. It's being pulled by the Earth's gravity and eventually will plummet. Sorry, your plans backfired. So you think Gundam will have no problem pushing back that worthless piece of rock? That's preposterous. Why don't we find out? You're insane! I'm not as impatient as you are. I can wait for humanity to learn and grow! <laughs> Axis has started free-falling toward Earth! You're underestimating new Gundam. Uh, I forgot. What? What? What was it? <laughs> he, he says. He says the Italian dandies. Not oh yeah, just yeah. For show. That's, that's so, right. So yeah. So I, I guess I guess that's supposed to be like a reference to Char's counterattack when Amuro is like. You know, oh, the, yeah. new, the new Gundam isn't just for show type thing, so. And then, I guess, you know, like, like all these episodes, they get into the fight pretty quick now because we're, we're doing the final stretch, so we've got to get to the fight right away, and there's we, we've kind of done all the character development we need to do. So now we've got the Cublay Papillon versus the Wing Gundam Fenice. They are in a mountain setting, and I guess the wiki just notes, like, that there's a bunch of different, like, snowy mountain settings in, like, other Gundam series. Like, they talk about in Gundam X, and they talk about how in the MS-8 team, you know, they're they're on a mountain in the snow. And also they talk about how the same stuff happens during uh, Gundam Seek Destiny. So... I mean, I get, I, I, I suppose, I don't know, that's kind of a stretch to me, but, like, I, I didn't exactly immediately think of any of those things, but, I mean, I guess they're nods to, to all those things, I guess, if you I want could, them to be. I guess I could kind of see uh, if it was, like, the, the place where, like, the freedom was shot down, like, in Gundam Seed Destiny or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. And so, basically, they, they basically start going at it right away. Fellini is kind of on 
on the offense or on the yeah he's on the offensive and he's basically like let me hit on you legendary undefeated senorita and he, he's basically like shooting at her and then and then the cube launches all these clear funnels but like isla's not really her head's not really in the game like she's still kind of you know, it's the the nine oh two and oh stuff. You know, she's dreaming about Ragey. You know, going like, oh, if I if I win this, I'm gonna have to fight Ragey. Oh no, you know. So so she's all she, her head's kind of not not really paying attention to the battle or anything. And so because of this, Fellini ends up destroying all the clear funnels, and he actually scores a hit on the Cubelay, which is freaking everybody out because at this point, she's been virtually untouched. Like she's never actually had anybody damage her suit before. And Kirara is running late, but she ends up seeing Fellini. She ends up coming in to see Fellini take out all these visible funnels now that, that the Cubelay has launched, as opposed to the sort of the, the clear ones that you couldn't really see and stuff. And, of course, we cut back to, I guess, the, the box seats, the privileged box seats where the grandson, Lucas, is asking the chairman his grandpa he's like grandpa like why is your gun plug getting its ass kicked you know basically he doesn't say that but he's like what why is it losing you know and, and the grandpa's like well we'll take care of this we'll fill that bitch full of drugs and make her fucking kick ass <laughs> like that's basically what he does like and it, it's funny because the guy you know the doctor you know christopher eccleston or whatever he's like look man this is this is not cool like th- this is gonna you know, I guess they, what do they call it? It's like they call it in body numbers. I don't, I don't know that I paid that much attention to her science, but I guess it, it's, it's like they're shooting her full of almost like adrenaline or something like that. Cause it's like it basically they're measuring these numbers and her numbers were like really low because she's busy, you know, dreaming about ragey or whatever. And her numbers are not normal. And so he just says, look, this is, this is on you. Like you, you, you were not, your head's not in the game, so now the you know the chairman ordered to max out her numbers. So now it's like her head's on fire, and basically they're kind of like, if you want this fucking pain to stop, you gotta you gotta kick his ass and kick his ass now. And it's like this, you know, they're basically like sort of you know torturing her to hurry up and win the fight. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like I don't know, like a the zero system from Wing or like just any kind of like obviously the obvious parallel is you know any kind of like new type like yeah like, yeah well like, like torture four and, like new yeah. type yeah like cyber new type or anything one of them that they've enslaved or whatever to act as a weapon but see that's that's what's interesting is th- this is the part where it goes away from being a toy it's not like it's not like oh i i put in the cyber new type toy you know, it's like this is this is actually real. Like they're actually torturing this little girl to to win a tournament, basically. Like so, and she, you know, they say she could die. Like like she could OD on this stuff and and die if if you know if things should go wrong. So it's like it, and 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 their attitude about it is, well, we'll just get another one. You know, like yeah. that because uh, it's like you can tell from her backstory, like she's just some probably some kid off the streets that they picked up or whatever. So it's like to them, it's like she's she's totally expendable, which is, 
you know, pretty shady. Yeah, yeah pretty <laughs> shitty. I mean, given the context of, of what this is about and everything. But the Cubele, I guess, gets the round two power, and and it's like super badass. I mean, it's like it reminded me of like. Cassandra Kane, Batgirl, or or the Midnighter, like basically, like she can basically know what the Fenice is going to do before it even does it, and you know before he's even aware of what's going on, his arm is lopped off and his his beam rifle's gone, you know, and and gets like major league messed up. Like then the wings are cut off and like it, he's just basically now he's he, it's like he was doing good and he was, you know, he 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 had gotten the opponent down to like a quarter if we're playing a fighting game, but now all of a sudden, you know, the Cubele is making this big comeback and 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 he's already down to like half his his life or whatever. So this is your boy, man. Talk about talk about your boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of went into this fight expecting him to lose, and I guess this would this would be the equivalent in anime, or in Gundam, or any anime really of the uh, the older like senpai character like dying or whatever. Like this is the the build fighters equivalent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Of the the old the, the the Roy Fokker dying or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like I, I was kind of like, well, you know, I think he did. He put up a good fight. He made a very good show of it. But you know, yeah. And it, what's funny is like Ragey, in typical Ragey fashion, is has caused everyone to be late. So it's like Ragey, Mao, Psy, and Niels Nielsen are running along. And as I mentioned last episode, I know you were calling them the Justice League, which I think is way too much credit. I was saying that <laughs> they all look like they all look like the little fucking rascals. It's like alpha. I was just going and, along with the Batman analog. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, but no, it's, it's, it, it cracks me up because they're all like running along, like we're late, and it's like because you hypnotized them, and he's like, what? What they didn't realize was that that Psy somehow under the hypnosis was compelled to recite every single Amuro line from all forty-three episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam, <laughs> and then and only then was he released from the trance, which I find kind of amusing. Yeah, so, I, thought, I thought it was funny when Niels was like, you know, his three-year-old subconscious is just filled with Gundam dialogue. <laughs> that's all he remembers. It's like that's all. It's like that's you, you just remember. Like it, it, he must have, like his dad must have been like an awesome dad. Like you know, come on, son. <laughs> like that, all we're gonna do all day is watch like a Gundam marathon or whatever. Yeah. So so and he gets to watch all forty three. Like we we don't even have forty three episodes here. We only we have forty two. Yeah, yeah, because we we missed out on the crappy one, or, or the so called uh, not good enough for Tamino episode. <laughs> so they they basically they they show up to the tournament, but by the time they show up, like the Fenice is on its knees before the Cubele, and Fellini is commenting on how the Cubele basically is reading his moves, like, before he can even act, which I was trying to explain before, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, guys like the Midnighter or Cassandra Kane and stuff like that. And then Fellini kind of busts out the, the you know, uh, I, I guess you'd call it, like, the, the Frank Miller Ronin move, where he's, like, pulling himself closer because the Cubele has stabbed him, and he, instead of, like, trying to, you know, become unstabbed. He's like, no, I'm going to just move closer to you. And he initiates the wing self-destruct, which, you know, I, 
That doesn't remind me of anybody at all, Mike. I don't know who that <laughs> No, not at be. all. Like, I don't, there's I, no I, one that has ever tried no, to Nobody's ever tried to self-destruct before, so I don't, I don't know what that's a reference to, but... You know, I guess I guess it's I don't know. All, I, all Fellini's missing is the tank top and the biker shorts. You know, he's like <laughs> mission accepted. And then, and then basically, Kirara chooses ass out about doing that, which is is kind of interesting from from a Japanese standpoint. I would think. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I've been watching like not that that makes me an expert on Japanese culture at all, but I, I mean, I feel like I've been watching like movies and anime and films for a long time. And I mean, there there is that romanticization of of suicide. You know, like suicide is kind of noble, or at least to to a point in that culture, it's, you know, in certain contexts, it's viewed as a, a noble endeavor, you know, and, and, and you could argue that, that maybe what he's doing, it, you know, the self-destruct maybe is noble, you know, I mean, not, not, not that I would think in this context it is, but I mean, somebody could argue it, but Kirara like chooses ass out and it's like, do you want to fucking win? Like, then, then why don't you like, you know, lose today, fight another day, like Cobra Commander style or something. You know, like one of these days you'll be GI Joe. Like don't, 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 uh, don't throw your life away. You know, like type thing. And, I and guess what's it, funny maybe... is, 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 is he like, is he really risking his life, like, or is I guess he just risking maybe, the suit? Yeah, maybe like, like you know, she didn't want him to throw Fenice away, basically. Okay. Yeah, but. Because, you know, he does kind of call it, like, partner, or, you know, he has a connection yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then if he destructs it, then... then it, it, I guess, it, yeah, you know, like, what what exactly would that, like, entail? Like, would that be another draw? Like, maybe he would, like, you know, reduce her points, or maybe he'd be able to stay in it if they draw, if they fought to a draw? Like, I, I'm not I, sure I what he was think... trying to accomplish. No, I don't... I mean, if he commits suicide... That can't be a draw because he's he's effectively lost. I mean, isn't that isn't that the implication? Like, I mean, I, I get that he could like. I, I see what you're saying. Like, then then the Kublai doesn't win either. Like, but but he doesn't win. Like like, I, I don't know. Maybe that is a draw. I, I don't, don't know because otherwise it's just kind of out of spite, I guess. But. Well, but then, then what's funny is because she's so hopped up on, you know, I don't know, Coke or heroin juice or whatever the fuck it is they're pumping into her. Like, she she is not herself anymore. Like, she's so enveloped in in the battle that she's, even though, like, basically he concedes at that point, you know, the, Kirara's message gets through to him and he's like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, that... It, he he has actually the the line of dialogue that's kind of he's like cool Janai. Like, yeah, he's like this isn't cool. Yeah, he's like this, this is that's cool not cool at all. It's like that's not cool. That's not cool. Like he kind of realizes that. I don't know. Is that it, uh, to me? It seems like that's kind of like we were discussing that cultural difference between Japan's view of suicide and maybe you know the Western view of suicide, but it's. It, it does seem to me to be 
the conclusion that I would come to, where it's like that that's not cool, Fellini, and you're cool. You know what I mean? So he's like yeah. he's like, Yeah, that's not cool. So so I, I can't do that. Which is interesting because I guess you would think that young kids who were watching Gundam Wing maybe would have thought that blowing yourself up was cool. Possibly. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like maybe it's like it's like thirty years too late or something where you're like, dude guys, that's not cool. It's not oh. cool. Well, you know, let alone, like, Japanese kids. Like, when I first watched Gundam Wing, I was like, oh, man, that's hardcore. Like, he's going to blow himself up. Like, you know. But then <laughs> well, again, I, I was, it, like, It must be, I guess, 14, I guess, well, but, so. yeah, you're, like, you're like, it would be cool if you had no scratch on you after you blew yourself up. But, <laughs> you know, that's not what really happens. You know, as, as much as they try to say it's the real robot genre, it's definitely not the real blow-yourself-up genre. Because <laughs> whenever these assholes blow themselves up, it's not like they actually, like, suffer any after-effects of it, you know? Hero Yui has adamantium bones. I guess. He's got an adamantium green tank top for shit sure. And <laughs> little tiger shirts, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess getting back to the episode, it's like, yeah, Fellini does concede the match, and Isla's kind of beating the shit out of the suit anyway. Like, she's kind of smashing it to bits, and everybody's having all this drama moment over, over you know, the Fenice and the suit and everything, and Reiji can't stand it anymore. And at first I wasn't sure, because I was like, well, wait a minute, where do you, you know, I, I had to remember, he's using the beginning Gundam, and this was the the mobile suit he actually made himself with Sai's dad that him and Isla, when they built their first mobile suit together. And so he shows up in the building or the building, the beginning Gundam and he tries to intercede and is like enough, man. Like, you know, like stop, stop destroying the Fenice. And, and even though he makes a move on the cube, he turns them into Swiss cheese in like two seconds. So, I mean, and he's totally owned too. <laughs> but I guess the act of doing that, like, maybe cools out her her levels or something, because she actually sort of stops fighting, and then the, the match concludes. And then, like, the after-credits sequence basically pays off the, the title of the show, you know, because it's like, super to dramas, you know? Because it's like Isla's betrayal. It's like, what did you do? What did you do, Reed? You know. So, <laughs> so it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's like that kind of. Like, they they really try to milk it the way he Ray, runs. Ragey, Ragey's like ah. <laughs> the way the way he runs across the turn. You know, it's like you still can't see her face. So like, and then and then they they have like the helmet cracked, so you can just see her eyeball and everything. And it's like, you know. So they they really play it up and milk it and everything, but it's it's a very Dylan Brenda nine hundred two and zero moment, you know. They're, they're like, Aah! you know, and and you know, of course, Reggie's all upset, and I guess Isla, you know, is like playing the whole. Uh, I was hopped up on hopped up juice, and I didn't know what I was doing, you know. So actually, but, I I think I want to say like you, you were saying like like uh, you were comparing it to sort of like heroin or something. I, I want to say it's more of a, like, sort of, like, brainwave alteration thing. Like, okay. I think the helmet is what controls her. Okay. And, like, it, it, I guess it's supposed to be sort of, like, a parallel to, like, new types or, you know, yeah, some kind of con- 
control of her mind. Cause, yeah, like, it's, it's like conditioning. Because they, they, they refer to it as embodied levels, but of course, that just sounds like fucking gibberish and doesn't really mean anything to me. So maybe, like, if they actually translated it and dubbed this series, maybe they talk about, like, brain waves or brain patterns or something something to that effect. Yeah. Like, or, or maybe, like, like how they call it, like espers, you know, for like special, yeah. you know, it's like the, it's like, know, maybe it'd be it's like, like a, S level is increasing. It's like a reverse cerebro or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Or I, the, I, I, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought the fights were really good and everything. I mean, I, I think Fellini, you know, yeah, he was destined to, to be the sacrificial Obi Wan Kenobi of the episode or whatever. But I mean, they, he put up a good fight. He looked cool, and and you know, there there is something to be said of of his support team. You know, like the fact that Kirara is looking out for him. I mean, in certain ways, he is a victor because, you know, Isla doesn't have shit. She's got all these people that are willing to kill her. Meanwhile, you know, Fellini's got all these folks, you know, on his side that are. I, I don't know that anybody's like, you know, I'm going to die for you, buddy. But but it, it's it, you can tell that that he is loved and and, well, you know, looked after. It's, aside from like maybe that the German guy who hates him, like everyone loves Fellini. Like, you know, yeah. like even like, you know, he gave compliments to like, you know, Neil's like Samurai Boy, like a few episodes ago, you know, where he. Or, you know, he, he gave him advice and stuff, and, you know, he did the grazie samurai boy, you know. So, like, even, like, people who have just, like, sort of entered the circle, like, sort of respect Fellini. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, so he, yeah, I mean, you know, he, I get, you know, he's 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 very debonair and, and devil may care, and, and you know, he... Uh, basically, it's kind of funny because they're, they're, you know, I guess the the only caveat to him doing so well in the first place is that, you know, Isla's head was in the clouds, and then all of a sudden she busts out like the impossible to beat mode. But I'm sure, you know, at some point, Sai and Reiji will sort of undo or unravel that that technique, the you know, beat you before you do what you're gonna do technique, you know. So I'm sure somebody's gonna, you know. Yeah. kind of trip them up and it's and, you know it, it's like you know like at this point like it's it's kind of predictable how the fights will go but like i think they do a good job of making it like dramatic and action-packed so yeah, you're not yeah. like you're not like you know not entertained when oh yeah, yeah. Watching, even if you probably have figured out how, what's going to happen yeah i mean you, you can you can niels nielsen batman prep time the fights all you want and, and figure it out ahead of time. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's the journey, you know, it's like how you get there, you know? So, you know, and, and I've, I, you know, this, this whole series has been an enjoyable journey. So I, I appreciate it. Ditto. All right, guys. Well, I guess this wraps up our talk on episode 20 of Gundam build fighters. We hope you'll tune in the next time we have a mobile suit Mondays episode on. You can also check out, many of our other spin-off shows such as Toku Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays, and Sentai Saturdays. We also hope you like checking out the Fanholes podcast proper where we talk about all kinds of different subjects that are not limited or or uh, specified in focus. 
We are on Stitcher Radio. We are on iTunes. So please go ahead and leave us reviews and feedback if you like. You can find us on our regular blog spot. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, all those social medias. So let us know how we're doing. You can send us an email at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, or concerns you may have. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek. Derek W.C. signing off. It's Mike self-destructing. That's not cool. That's not cool at all. Cool, Janai. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, oh, I had a good thought, but now I lost it. Um, find it. Find it. Find it, damn you. Oh, find I was going to say, like, at the at the end there, like, it, it would have been funny when Reiji was like, you know, what if you, like, you know, what did you do, Aina? What did you do? And, like, <laughs> it should have said, like, Oscar clip, like, underneath it or something. Yeah. What did you do? Maybe Reiji can be like an animatronic Jim Henson Muppet, you know, and like <laughs> blink his eyes and cry, you know, stuff like that. Well, you know, not not to spoil you, but at the end of the series, when Reiji and uh, Isla get married, like Reiji's hand comes out the top of a limo and like waves like mechanically. An wow. obscure, obscure reference, very obscure. <laughs> what? Mine. <laughs> <laughs>